Hello everyone, it's Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 36 for Wednesday, March the 22nd, 2006. And we're going to do a, uh, a little different show for you this uh, midweek. So stay tuned, here we go. Treks in Sci-Fi... Decades ago, created a our own starship called the Aurora. They were a lot of fun to do. Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. For the new listeners, for the listeners that have been following the show for a while, welcome, welcome. This is Rico, the host of the show. This um, midweek show has been um, its been fun for me to do. It's a little tricky with, with working during the week, and the weekend show is a little more easy, easy to fit in, but uh, I do kind of look forward to doing this. And I was sort of searching in my head today... Um, while I was at work, what what I was, wanted to talk about this week, and I recalled many, many podcasts ago that I had promised to play for you a a Star Trek uh, episode that was performed, written, recorded, uh, let's just say decades ago in my basement growing up with friends of mine. Basically, I, I don't want to talk a long time about this because this episode I'm going to play for you that we recorded is approximately a half hour long. But uh, in essence, uh, years and years ago, some good friends of mine, uh, or good friends uh, that I had and still have, and myself created a, our own starship called the Aurora, the USS Aurora, and basically what we did was, and this was, um, you know, basically, and am I saying that word a lot tonight? Sorry about that. What we did was create our own our own crew based on, you know, the Star Trek sort of area and, you know, area. That's not the right word. Uh, what am I trying to say here? We, we created our own crew, our own adventures, wrote scripts, and recorded these on old-style uh, tape recorders with some sound effects and music slipped in. As much as I could uh, manage to find, I was kind of the technical guy, of course, on, on doing this uh, production. And I am going to put some disclaimers here, though. Keep in mind many things when you're listening to these. One, it was done a long, long time ago, yeah, in a galaxy far, far away. So the audio quality is not the greatest. You know, the production values are not the greatest. And the script writing is definitely not the greatest. But they were a lot of fun to do. We really had a great time doing these. Um, they were usually recorded over uh, several weeks, and I kind of edited them together. The um, I don't know what else to really say. I don't want to, like I said, take too much time here before I get into the episode. This first one is it was our first adventure. It's called uh, Rude Awakening. Rude Awakening is the name of this episode. And, it, you know, I think you'll be able to follow it pretty well. I thought it, the, the idea and the concept behind the episode is, is pretty good. And I will talk about this more on this weekend's normal podcast after I play this for you. But I think that should just about do it. Oh, one, one other thing. the um, As they say on some of those old TV shows, some of the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Well, uh, here, here's one little tidbit for you. The names, none of these names have been changed to protect any innocents. We all used our our real names in these episodes. Basically, you know, 
I was the science officer. Uh, one of my friends was the captain, and you know, we just threw the titles in front of us, our names, and I don't know. They were just a lot of fun to do. And also keep in mind that the acting and and that is not the greatest in these, but I think they're still they're still fun to listen to. So uh, hey, I'd really appreciate any feedback after I play this for you guys. Again, the email for the show is treksf at gmail dot com. You can go to treksf dot com, look at the forums, make some posts there uh, if you join, and let me know what you think about Rude Awakening, the first adventure of the crew of the Starship Aurora. And here we go with it. So uh, listen uh, and enjoy. Talk to you guys over the weekend. Space, final frontier. These are the voyagers of the starship Aurora for five-year missions to explore strange new worlds, seek out new life and new civilizations, boldly go where no man has gone before.
situation. They refuse to answer our hail. Still closing at Warp 4. Sound red alert. Structures up. Mr. Phelps, have you received any communications? Negative, sir. Continue to hail. Helm, you off. Course 253, Mark 8. Hi, sir. Sir, you're staying with us. Mr. Dawson, your reading's on the alien vessel. Reflectors say there's something there. Sensors say there isn't. Alien vessel moving in at warp 6. 180 degrees about. Lock on phasers, prepare to fire. Aye, aye, sir. Return fire, off phaser. It went right through. Sir, both on torpedoes. Proximity fuse. Still closing, sir. Collision course. Course 25, mark 75. Emergency warp speed. So, have damage report channeled to science officer. Helm, reduced to warp 6. Sir, they're paralleling us at warp 6. Status report. Just a minute. Deflectors weakened. Warp drive and impulse operative. Weapons operative. 9 dead. 16 wounded. The bell the bridge. My assistant is dead. We have many wounded. I need some help. Mr. Phelps, send backup technicians and engineering. Rob, go to the briefing room. Aye, aye, sir. Mr. Phelps, department heads to the briefing room. Mr. Dossie, Mr. Wilcock, come with me. Chas, you have the time. Mr. Dossie, your report. Apparently, the alien ship is from a different area of space where physical laws do not apply. Being in a different plane of existence? Yes, a different dimension. If what we think is true, our weapons will have no effect on their ship. Then why do their weapons affect us? It's possible that they convert their weapons to our dimension so that they will affect us. Since it is possible for them to convert their weapons to our dimension, could it be possible for us to convert our weapons to their dimension? I shall run a computer study on it and meet you with it on the bridge. Mr. LaBelle, your report. All engines fully operative, and we can maintain this speed indefinitely, although I don't know where we're heading. We're heading to the edge of the galaxy, Mr. LaBelle, due to the fact that we cannot leave them back in the Federation space. Once there, it would be total havoc. All right, Captain. I figure they can't go any faster than warp six, since they didn't attempt to increase speed when we did. It is logical to assume that, they can, that we can keep ahead of them. Casualty report, Mr. Mazinga. We've got 10 dead and 15 wounded. Most are suffering from radiation burns and bumps and bruises. That's natural, since the aliens are using normal phasers, or something similar to ours. Well, let's just keep ahead of them until we can come up with a better course of action. Turn to your post. Status of aliens. Still paralleling us at warp 6. Very well. Maintain. Rick? The computer verifies that interdimensional travel is possible. The computer also says that the aliens must have some sort of device board their ship to keep them from changing over to our dimension, which would be similar to our deflectors. When their weapons leave this field, they convert over to our dimension. It is not possible for us to convert our weapons to affect them. Affirmative. Mr. Phelps, message to Starfleet Command. Code 12 and scrambled. This is Captain Alan T. Kluster of the USS Aurora. On Stardate 7507.25, we contacted an unknown alien of another dimension. We were attacked and returning fire discovered that our weapons had no effect. 
because we have learned that they can change dimensions at will, and considering this a prelude to invasion. Code 1. In my opinion, this quadrant and the entire galaxy should be placed on alert status. Ms. Phelps, including my past log entries starting on Stardate 7507.2, and all technical data relevant to the situation. Mr. Dossie, take over. I'll be in sick bay. Zinga, how are we holding out down here? Not so good. Young is in a bad way. What's he suffering from? He seems to have contracted some sort of radiation sickness. Is it all right if I see him? Only for a few minutes. Bob? Bob? Why? Why did you let them attack us? Take it easy, Bob. Take it easy. You? I... You did it. You'll kill us all. Zinga! You'll kill us! Stop him! Stop him! <laughs> Please, don't let it get to you. Uh, I'll be in my cabin. Captain's personal log, start eight seven five zero seven point two six. Have I made all the right decisions? My first command, and it seems I have already failed. I've tried to make all the right decisions, but my ship has been damaged. My men have lost faith in me. But it's not my fault. I've done everything possible. No man could do more. What the? Dusty to engineering. Engineering, what's going on? We're losing power on the bridge. One of our dilithium crystals went. Those phaser hits must have done much more damage than we first suspected. Probably due to a strange element of the alien's weapons. Can we maintain our present speed? Yes, if we don't lose any more crystals. So much for warp six. Report! We have lost two dilithium crystals and can no longer maintain warp six. Maintain highest possible speed. Mr. Bell, can you rig a bypass circuit? Yes, but it will take time. After that, I can replace the crystal. Do it. Helm, our speed. Warp three. They're closing on us. Report. Maximum. Prepare for maneuver. The alien ship will be within phaser range in approximately 10 minutes. Engineering, how much longer, Mr. LaBelle? Just a few minutes. I've just about got the bypass ready. Well, let's hurry it up. Wait. Try it now. Helm, increase speed to warp six. Mr. LaBelle, it's not working. I've got it. It's the main power in my control. Get on it, Mr. LaBelle. Helm, reduce speed to warp three. Mr. Dossie, what is the status of the alien vessel? They are still closing on us at warp six. They should open fire on us in a matter of minutes. Mr. Phelps, open a channel to the alien vessel and tie in the universal translator. Channel open, and you're tied in. This is Captain Alan T. Kuster of the United Starship Aurora, representing the United Federation of Planets. We are on a peaceful mission and do not wish to engage you in battle. I shall await your reply. Close channel, Mr. Phelps. Any change in the alien vessel? Negative, Captain. No change. Rebella, Captain Clooster. Clooster here. Try your helm now. You should have full warp drive capacity. Captain, the alien is coming within our phaser range. Helm, warp after nine. 
Good work, Mr. LaBelle. Boost her out. Mr. Lockhart, trim down speed to warp factor six. The alien never got a chance to fire on us. We warped out just in time. They are presently still following at warp six. We sustain no appreciable damage, just a few bumps from the jolt and high warp speed. Booster to six bay. Six bay, Dr. Mazenga. How's Bob Young, Doc? He died about ten minutes after you left here. Booster out. Our engines are up to top efficiency now after the close call with the enemy vessel. We are still heading to the edge of the galaxy at maximum warp speed while being pursued by the aliens. Past days have been uneventful. Mr. Shaft, do you have the report I asked for yet? Affirmative, sir. We shall reach the edge of the galaxy on star date 7512.19 if we maintain this course and speed. Insufficient data on what we will encounter upon arrival. Captain, the alien ship is veering off. Compute the alien's course. Compute it. Bearing 350 Mark 9. Mr. Dossi, where will that lead them? That course will put them on a direct line with Solian space. Collectors up for the yellow alert. Could be a surprise attack. Negative, Captain. They are following their present course, moving off at warp 6. Helm, parallel course at maximum visual range. Mr. Phelps, department heads to the briefing room. Low car, you have the card. The Dossi, Chef, come with me. Sorry I'm late, gentlemen. Mr. Chef, continue your report. As I was saying, the aliens' present course will take them into Dolian space. Map coming on screen. Here is our position. The alien is here. Mr. Shaft, what is that area in the western part of Sonian space? Inner space, sir. Articulate, Mr. Dossi. Inner space is known to our science as an area of space which is an overlapping of different dimensions. The fabric of space is very weak there, and the vessel could become trapped. Wasn't the Defiant lost in inner space? Yes, and the Enterprise flew through it to escape the Tholian web. Is the alien's course leading them towards inner space? Yes, they will pass within 0.05 parsecs of it. Do we have any more information on the properties of inner space? We also know that prolonged contact with the area causes madness. This can be avoided by using the Theragun derivatives. As Mr. Shafts has already pointed out, the Enterprise flew through inner space to escape the Tholians. So now we know that it is possible to pass through that area. See if this is beneficial to us in any way. Computer on. Computer on. Computer, verify following hypothesis. Question. Will travel into inner space send a vessel into another dimension? And if so, what effects will result? Working interdimensional travel is possible through the area known as interspace. However, it is possible that the ship will become interdimensionally trapped. Isn't it possible the alien is using a dimensional resistor device not to keep them from changing to our dimension, but merely as a weapon? It's possible, but there is insufficient data for a positive conclusion. Computer, 
Will the described vessel convert to the same level so that our weapons will affect the alien ship? Working. Insufficient data. Red alert. Red alert. Captain Cluster to the bridge. Cluster here. Our sensors have picked up two objects rapidly closing on the alien. I'm on my way. Configuration of the object. My sensors read them as two Tholian scout ships closing on the alien vessel at warp five. Communications, one off the Tholian vessel. Flectors up. Captain, the Tholian ships are coming within range of the alien's weapons. No acknowledgement of our hail, sir. The alien has fired on the lead Tholian. A direct hit. Mr. Dossie, program computers for entrance into inner space. Mr. Black, have Dr. Mazinga distribute the Therian derivatives throughout the entire crew. Helm, course 352, mark 12. Work factor 9 on my order. Full positive deflector. But that course will put us on a direct line with the alien ship. I am well aware of that fact, Mr. Lokar. Follow my order. Aye, aye, sir. Therian derivatives, Captain. Very well, distributed among the bridge crew. The alien has fired upon the second Tholian ship, but only damaged it. The computers are ready to drive into inner space. Luther Lobel. Lobel here. Can we manage warp 9? Affirmative. We have been driving at warp 6 for sufficient time for my engines to become fully primed for warp 9 speed. Engage warp 9 on my order. All right, sir. Lobel out. Mr. Black, adjust intercraft. Intercraft open, sir. Captain, the crew, prepare yourselves for high warp speed. We're going to try to lure the alien vessel into inner space. There we will destroy or be destroyed by the alien. All systems report ready for entry into inner space. Mr. LaBelle? Engage! <laughs> Dusty 
and Robert Lavelle. Captain Clooster, played by Alan Clooster. Science Officer Dosky, played by Rick Dosky. Chief Engineer Lavelle was played by Robert Lavelle. Mr. Shast, played by James Ewing. Dr. Mazango by Mike Matsumoto. Mr. Lokar, played by Joe Dosky. Mr. Phelps, played by Bill Collins. Mr. Black, played by James Ewing. Anton Young, played by Joe Dosky. And the computer, played by Joe Dosky. The Paramount Productions.